Hey, Jamie. Hello, Keith. Hello, Keith. You're all business today. I can I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> I'm, new, I'm trying to be a Newman Seinfeld Newman. Oh, uh, that's that's an obscure one to go for, I think. I but know. I guess now that you say it, I can hear it. Like I can see it in my mind too. So you actually did a good job. I just didn't Thank know what you. I was listening for. Thank you. Uh, how have you How have you been? Uh, I've been doing pretty well. I think not sick. Yeah. Not sick good? for yeah. I mean, I get this is my week off of being uh, sick. I think. Yeah, that's good. It's good to take a week off. You don't want to get burnout. Being yeah, sick. exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, other than that, things have been going pretty decent. Just super busy, uh, like with external things. Really, um, Kendra's on the board of directors for a dance studio for our church. And this week happens to be their week where they have like a showcase at the church. So I had to help set stuff up for that and then also go and help with some of the audio video stuff. And so that's taken a little bit of time. But yeah, other than that, it's been going pretty smoothly. Still failed to meet my goals that I had for this particular podcast. So what were Uh, they? uh, You know, I don't remember, but I know I failed them. I'm pretty (laughs) sure I was supposed to... uh, uh, launch the website this week, which yes, I'm so freaking close. Like I'm right there, but, uh, um, I'm actually just struggling to create the landing page, but that's really the only thing left to create. I think everything else is like pretty much good to go. And I really like the, the like workflow that I have for like blog posts now, although I want to steal some stuff from my experience working on that digital ocean tutorial. They have some like custom markdown processing. Yeah. That's really awesome. That's cool. So, all right, I want to talk about that. But what what's uh, what are you struggling with on the on the home homework? Oh, I've, I'm kind of just kicking around uh, what I want it to look like, basically. And I've I've had a couple things, and I've been sort of working with them, and then ended up being like, so one of the the big like UI things I'm using within the site. Every time there's like a tutorial, I pretty much showcase it in like a card sort of thing mm-hmm. um, just because it makes sense there's one image uh normally for these things that is basically the like, thumbnail i would use on youtube and um i can give a little synopsis and they they flow pretty well but uh i suck at css so i've like screwed up building this thing like twice and then i'm like oh it looks so good and then i'll like use it somewhere and it's like totally shatters itself but this morning i totally figured it out so this this card looks pretty sweet in like every context so I'll be able to use that on the landing page too to kind of showcase like, oh, these are recent or popular kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then I basically just need to do like kind of my above the fold section. So I'll probably put like a some little blurb about subscribing to something. And then I'll probably put something in there about like, oh, you probably want to learn about courses. Here's like some beginner stuff. Here's some more intermediate stuff. Um, but then I feel so like I'm still going to run out of space. What's your call? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's kind of the the thing that is a little bit weird. I'm not 100% sure. Hmm. Yeah, so that's what is basically holding me up at this point. Well, I feel like it's you want somebody to watch one of your videos. Right? That's true. I guess I could just showcase one right there. Yeah, but my the one the thing I'm questioning is like what if they're not interested in that topic whatever you're showcasing? Yeah, I mean, so I could go down the route of doing some fancy JavaScripty stuff on the the front page, like above the fold, to where mm-hmm. I sort of go all choose your own adventure kind of. Mm-hmm. 
um, which could be kind of neat. And I've heard, I was listening to a podcast with Brendan Dunn the other day. Um, mm-hmm. and I haven't gone and checked out his site, but his, you know, he's the whole like double your freelancing guy. And apparently his site has a ton of like, um, making sure people go down the right path. That's like specific for them. I just met him last over the weekend, by the way. Anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, small world. But, yeah. uh, I mean, I've been following but him yeah, so, for a while, but- yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he's pretty popular. So I think I might go check out his site and kind of see what he does, get a feel for that. And like, okay, how could I apply this to people who want to learn stuff? Because I do have like a varying degree of things. Like I have opsy stuff and I have programming stuff. I have, you're a total beginner stuff. Um, and so I've got some funnels I can kind of put people down if they want to get the best experience out of that. Or I can just drop them and like, here's the tutorial like feed essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which that has its own thing. Like if there's a tutorials tab in my navigation, so if you click it, it'll just show you all of them, uh, and you know your standard like reverse chronological order. But you could, and I don't know how useful this would be for somebody coming in, but you could make um, like a a mashup type of like intro video that shows kind of just clips of of all the the stuff that you've done. Yeah, so that's, that's the thing that's a uh, that's the thing that's a little weird because I've been thinking about this because I I should probably make like a YouTube channel. Um, there's a channel video you can create that's just like describes your channel as a thing, and you kind of mm-hmm. need like almost like B roll for that sort of stuff, right? And a tutorial is pretty boring as like the the background video stuff. Because a lot of what happens in a tutorial is like kind of slow and very methodical, and it's like explained. It's not super. Yeah. There's not a whole lot going on. Like it's kind of boring. Yeah. You would just see me like highlight some text. I mean, I could put it in like super fast forward mode, so it'd look like I was doing stuff really quick. But then that might turn people off too. Be like, God, this dude is so fast. Um, yeah, I was yeah, looking so, at other other people's call to actions and like code schools is basically creating an account, which is kind of odd. I think that's yeah. Weird. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense for them because they don't let you do anything until you create an account. I kind of need yeah. to go look at content sites and like not necessarily like training sites, but more like places that like blogs that uh, right. are big and check out and see kind of what they do and figure out how I want to structure it. They do have their learning paths like right below, which is kind of neat. So like if. I'm interested in, you know, Docker, let's say, um, mm-hmm. and I click on that, then maybe that's where your big call to action is, is like, watch this free video on Docker. Yeah, this is pretty good. Maybe I will kind of <clears throat> take uh, something out of their book. And this kind of makes sense. Like this banner at the top does is pretty much, <laughs> this is so stupid. I might as well go and grab what I have currently on my um uh, like I don't, courses called, I don't think their core call to action is good at all. I mean, I, I get that you can't do anything without creating an account, but it's a little big. But um, so I know, but that doesn't get that doesn't get somebody using the site and getting it hooked in. No, no. What I'm saying is, I'm like, yeah, they they give a really really big section of the page to that. I wasn't saying it's yeah. like kind of a big deal, but yeah, I'm like I do agree there's something better you could do here. And I probably yeah. will. I should just make a video that's basically like me explaining what Coder Journey is and where you can go from here. That might be the best thing I can do. I can't exactly do like a mashup because obviously mashups of tutorials would be pretty boring, but mm-hmm. 
doesn't mean I can't make some little snippet video that can kind of be there that, uh, yeah, it can kind of get yeah. people onboarded. It's cool, man. So you're going to have that done by uh, next day. You're gonna oh yeah. I'm dude. I'm right there. Like I'm so yeah. close. It's just one page now. <laughs> so I'm not, not feeling too bad. And I think it's one of those things where I'm basically just going to, I'm going to get this thing kind of semi wrapped up. Like I'm going to get a version of a landing page done and then I'm just going to launch this thing as is. And then I'm totally cool to like iterate on this forever. Yeah. Like, I don't really mind. I just want to get something done, get myself off of WordPress, never have to look at a WordPress dashboard again. And, uh, yeah, go from there. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's about it for me though. I mean, not a whole lot else. Oh wait, the Elixir thing, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, uh, I sent you a message earlier in the week telling you that my web app challenge thing, uh, which I hadn't been making a ton of progress on, I scrapped the go version and started writing it in Elixir. And within like probably an hour or two, I was beyond where I was in go. Uh, (laughs) granted I don't have a deployment pipeline like I do in go, but, uh, I'll get that stuff figured out. It won't be that big of a deal. Yeah. I just deployed, um, a Phoenix app. Yeah. On Heroku. The Heroku build pack is amazing. The Heroku Elixir build pack. Uh, it's pretty easy. Pretty, pretty easy. Of course, there's nice. the downtime. I, I understand that, but yeah, it's, I'm not for this project. I wasn't, it's just a Phoenix app. It's not nothing big. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, so th- this is like one of those things like, Heroku is really good for quick wins, but I'm sort of, sort of just an ops nerd at this point. Like I really like yes, to know, know like what the what I the know. best practices are for doing opsy stuff. So I'm pro- I'm probably just going to go off and spin up a DigitalOcean node and figure out how to like all right, how do you go about deploying stuff to the uh Beam VM. Yep. So, yeah. I'll get that figured out and probably turn it into a bunch of tutorials. But nice. dude, Phoenix is sick. It is really nice. It is it is amazing. And like, so. if you're coming from rails, it's just, it's almost like a one to one thing. So like I guess it's very, very railsy. I did not mention this, but I'm building my thing in the Phoenix 1.3 release candidate right now. Okay. Because there are some changes in how they structure things. So have you looked at what Phoenix 1.3 has in it? Um, no, but I, I remember a tutorial, I think from, um, or part of the keynote from Chris yeah. McCord mm-hmm. um, and they're moving some directories and yeah. So they move things around, but it's basically like, um, did you ever read growing object oriented code? Uh, got it by no. tests, the book. No, nope, um, no. Okay. The, the concept of ports and adapters basically mm-hmm. uh, it's, so it takes that or what they call contexts in this. So like you build every it's, what's a good example of this. You never worked with Django either. Did you? Nope. Okay. That sucks. Um, yeah. So in, in Django, there's this concept of like, you build multiple apps inside of your app. So you Mm -hmm. would have like blog is like its own app. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. you would have like administration is its own app. And like, they have their own models. And then Mm -hmm. if you occasionally need to tie them together, then you would have to pull in across module bound, like boundaries. And that's what Phoenix 1.3 is about. So like I have an accounts module that handles user registration and will handle billing and then i will have like a courses module that will handle like content for that stuff and then i'll have to wire the two together 
in specific spots, but and at the end of the day, like I use my account's context in order to like fetch a user. Yeah, that's awesome. So the structuring is really, really good. And it's, I've been doing this in rails for a while now, kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, like a lot of the rails apps I work on now have like things where it's like, Oh, this is part of purchasing as a concept. So like these, um, I, I haven't been doing it in that, like in really crazy engine way. No, I just module structure things. Okay. Yeah. In in such a way, but yeah, you can do it with engines. And I saw a talk one time where this dude did like literally everything in engines and I thought he was insane, but it was worth a shot, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. So anyway. how do you tie them? How do you tie those together? Like, how do you tie like your accounts? Like you, you set a time together in certain spots. What, what is that? Yeah. Mean? That's where like you could create another module, right? That's just mm-hmm. a plain old module somewhere that would, that would do the interaction. Or since most of the actual business logic is contained inside of the context, you would have something like your, your courses context could be like courses, uh, dot find a lecture by user or something like that. And like you right. would pass in, you know, like you d- just dependency inject your, your particular like thing you need, if that makes sense. But it's not divided by like, these are models and these are controllers. Like all that stuff has yeah. gone away in Phoenix 1.3. Oh, nice. nice. And actually like the that. entire word model is gone. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Well, models are just kind of, are just kind of like a, a Lucy um, thing over just ecto schemas. Exactly. But yeah. the problem is, is like people think about it in terms of like rails. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that, so that was their issue. And it's like reality at the end of the day, it's modules all the way down. Yeah. So yeah, don't worry about that. So I think the way that your context, like, so schemas belong under contexts in the new Phoenix. And then you can actually, I think there's a way to have one schema or two schemas for the same database table, if that makes sense. So like say courses has users and you want it to have its own like business logic for a course user or a student, I guess I would call it, but you want it Mm -hmm. to point to the same thing as an account user, then you would have, you could have two separate modules for that. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. That's really cool. I'm going to have to take a look at that. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So I think it's going to, I mean, it's going to come out pretty soon. I think they're in release candidate too, but yeah, definitely worth checking out. That's pretty much been my last two weeks. And yeah, I want to finish up this website and then we will be speaking at Beer City Code. So I'm still prepping my talks for that. So that'll be the, probably most of this next week. Cool. Um, great. So you're going to have your your new design out and what are you planning on doing with the, with your web app challenge? Like many major features you're going to implement. Um, yeah, so that's op stuff. What? Uh, I don't know about the op stuff. I'm probably gonna, uh, so I would like to have by the next time we talk, um, cause I'm still working on the form submission thing. Um, the form handling thing, even though I'm, I'm sort of simultaneously working on my own course platform in Phoenix and, this submissions thing which is my problem is i work on too many things at one time mm-hmm. but uh i'm probably gonna let the submit or the course thing sit for a second and then um submissions wise i want to be able to create forms and like receive the actual submissions of forms and like do some things probably maybe just send email or like connect to zapier mm-hmm. those are my mm-hmm. two 
So mm-hmm. uh, I might not have any UI around that, but I think I would like to be able to handle form submissions and trigger some event by the next time we talk. Cool. Cool. Nice. Um, cool. So the last two weeks, I I did some things, um, and I didn't do some things, I think. Um, but I was also at Revolution Conf these last three days, which is in Virginia Beach. Um, so I was kind of actually I got I did get a lot of work done on on callback while I was there. Um, nice. So I did. I said last time I wanted to do sign up and sign in for callback. I did both of those um, using Ember Simple Auth, uh, but. Uh, one thing I learned in in from Ember, and, and the other thing that I feel like I've gotten back is like my um, uh, my efficiency with with Ember and JavaScript seems to be nice. Seems to be back to uh, where it was. So you know, I'm, I'm now it's easy to get wrap my head around the TDD side of things and where to start. Um, but uh, the one thing with Ember is they want you to use JSON API and mm-hmm. callbacks API is not JSON API uh, spec. Uh, just because I, I think it's too heavy. Like there's situations where JSON API is great and awesome. But for my thing, I think it's just too, it's just too heavy with references and all that other junk. So um, it, it just it just makes the API more confusing, in my opinion. Like it's just well, a very simple API. And couldn't you just do? So this is going to sound kind of crazy, but if you need JSON API as a concept for like Ember's purposes, so this is like all UI I stuff. I don't. I don't. Well, I was going to get into like what what took longer than expected. Oh, okay. Well, sorry for is, interrupting. Oh no, no. I'm just saying like. I don't need it for the front end of Ember, but what it got me thinking is, you know, integrating callbacks API with Ember was kind of a pain in the ass. And I don't want other developers or people to have to do that. And maybe that's where you were kind of going. Um, what yeah, were, what I'm, were you I guess to, for yeah. me, well, so I guess if you, you're using ember and you want to integrate with the api like and ember requires like a json api like you could just have a separate like endpoint because it's really like json api can mm-hmm. sort of i mean are you doing this with rails or is this like a um lotus app or a uh, hanaby or whatever the heck it's called now it's grape it's great oh, okay Ruben. gotcha yeah. so does there's a json api like resources gem right that can like kind of yeah. handle this stuff yep yep Mm-hmm. So I would almost say like if it's really like useful from that sort of endpoint is to just like have a second way to view the data and then mm-hmm. have a separate API that's for like interacting with creating these things from like a CLI or from, uh, you know, command or from a client library, stuff like that. But if it's just like you want to read the data, then maybe JSON API is the way to go. Interesting. Um, that's, a, that's a good point. I've never actually thought about that, like different formats for basically the same API. Interesting. I wonder if you do something in the headers, um, like the content 
Type. Oh, to get it to, so you'd have the same yeah. endpoint and you would just get different content based yeah. on, that's, that's one yeah. way to do it. I guess I was just thinking you spin it up in like a separate thing. Cause I don't know how many people are going to integrate with the JSON API bit versus like using client libraries to just more or less like, you know, do the curl equivalent of like creating and checking in on these things. Yeah. It's one of those things that you just kind of have to launch and yeah. get feedback on. Mm-hmm. So that just required me to write some uh, adapters for my format <clears throat> json um that's being returned which is it doesn't really have a name but it doesn't have a root element and uh like linked linked uh, resources are just kind of in there as whatever the name of the resource is oh, okay um so that's how that's how i built built that okay nice so it sounds like you made a fair bit of progress then yeah uh yeah. And so I got all that done and then I'm now I'm working on actually displaying the initial dashboard. So after you sign in, it's going to show you your, um, uh, your sandbox, uh, access token and your, your live. If you want to turn the live on is that's when you add your credit card information and things like that. Nice. I do have one question uh, that I've been trying to figure out for a while is I want to have both a sandbox environment, right. And, uh, a live environment mm-hmm. in the sandbox you can test with, right? The problem is what do I do or not do for a sandbox environment versus a live environment? Like, do I actually not say, send the callback? Do I send the callback with some random information? Do I send the callback with um, only like the first five times or something? I don't even know that you need a sandbox, right? It's not like you're doing payments as a thing. Like that's the only real time I ever utilize sandbox stuff is like, oh, it's one of those things where I'm dealing with a payment gateway and I want to be able to run with this and test. Then like a sandbox kind of makes sense. But in this particular case, and like depending on how you bill, like this is that's really where it comes into being a weird thing. Um, but if you come in as a developer, right? And let's say you have a staging mm-hmm. environment. Yeah. You don't want to mix your staging environment data with your real data. Oh, at that point, I mean, so that that puts you to this point where you need environments, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a sandbox. Okay, what's the diff- what's your difference in your mind? So, like, um, an example of this would be like, say somebody has like they they want to use this for like all of their stuff, but they want they have a staging QA and a production environment, like. Mm-hmm. They would mix their QA and staging if you only had a sandbox. But if you give the opportunity for somebody to create a callback and specify the, you know, they kind of specify the environment of it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then that kind of works out. But that that is already sort of specified when they tell you what, where to call back. Mm-hmm. Like they would give you a different URL to call back to. Mm-hmm. 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 Are you saying you and and at that point it would be a different like callback? So you wouldn't be mixing things, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's it's. I guess it would be dependent on how I view how someone would view the data then, because you wouldn't want to see that live stuff, or you know, you know, you wouldn't want to see that that QA URL callback with your production URL. Yeah. True. Same. So, same if you're doing like different types of jobs, like so. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's an issue, actually. I just haven't thought of 
how I'm going to display the actual, you know, the upcoming jobs, the jobs that you already ran. Uh, I'm sure there's probably going to be some sort of calendar, maybe not on first release, but uh, mm-hmm. a calendar of some sort. And but I've never thought of like how you filter out different URLs or different different jobs. Yeah, I guess so. There's two ways you could do it, right? Like you could. I mean, there are way more than two ways you could do it, but. Uh, a couple of ways. Have you ever used Paper Trail, um, the mm-hmm. logging application? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep. So like you can sort or you can search in that. Like so by default, mm-hmm. it like aggregates all those things, but you can specify an environment for it. Um, yeah. And then it'll it'll get all of those. And then you there's like the search functionality where you can do like, oh, minus HA proxy. I don't want to see anything that comes from my load balancer. Yeah. And it will just filter those things out. So like your UI could give you that kind of thing. And then I think it probably will be beneficial to you to be able to specify in like when creating a callback, the environment. And then you can just have like a select box for the environment. So that somebody's like, oh, I only care about production or like what the heck's going on in staging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's just like a string field so yeah and you could aggregate on that pretty easily i think cool nice i like i like that idea okay i'm gonna put in some more thought about that um because it was a problem when i was i i integrated uh, one of my clients uh, instead of creating a whole scheduling system which i needed for one mm-hmm. tiny little thing i just use callback and there, i know it was kind of a an issue for me thinking about like well, this is staging, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm going to, how am I going to, to do that? So cool. Um, yeah, I'll put some more thought into that. So I want to have just the displaying of jobs done by next time. However cool. I do that, I don't, I'll probably end up doing something similar to, to what you're specifying. So, so I'm doing that for callback for Tetsu. I expanded, um, the use of the early standup feature I, I emailed a bunch of customers and asked that they wanted to be on the beta and everybody said yes and they're excited for the for the project nice. so or for the feature so i'm going to do more of that um but i'm really concentrating on releasing callback and once that's released i got a bunch of stuff i got to do with tetsu so that's kind of uh, my next two weeks cool yeah sounds busy uh, i'm excited to see uh the callback stuff is there like a beta that I can see for being the podcasting friend? There, there will be. So the other thing I did with uh, sign up is I want to. I haven't launched it yet because mm-hmm. then anybody could sign up. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to add a little invite system around it. It's not going to be that that tough to do. So okay. I'll probably I'll probably do that as well by next time so that I can. There's been a few other people that wanted to to beta test it as well. Um, oh, and then next week I'm going to be at Codapalooza and uh, Beer City Code. That is a busy week. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't gotten much customer work done, which is not good. Now I stress myself out. Yeah, I, I feel you there. I'm not the same amount of stress, but yeah, that uh, that stinks. But where's Codapalooza at again? Is that in Louisville? Uh, Louisville, yep. Okay. Louisville. And then I got to drive, drive back on Friday and then get up bright and early Saturday morning and go to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yep. Nice. Well, I'm excited. Uh, we'll see each other in person for the first time in a long time. Yeah, man. So that'll be pretty sweet. But yeah, I will talk to you in one week and record with you in two. All right, man. See you, Keith. Later. <laughs>